Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless, the podcast that teaches you how to live a healthier lifestyle that makes you and the planet happier. The world is changing quickly. Sometimes it feels like you can't keep up. I hear you. You want to make the world a better place. You care, but you don't know where to start. You know taking care of yourself is important, but how? I get it. I have a history of diving into a new endeavor, seeking perfection, and quickly feeling like I failed. Whether it was going vegan or learning how to recycle more, I wish I had guidance to keep me on track and not overwhelmed. I can't lie, the world needs your help. But it doesn't need you to be perfect. This podcast is here to help. Here we go. Today on the podcast, I talked to longtime animal advocate Marion McDonald. So if I were to put you on the spot right now, where do you feel like you're at today if it was a spectrum from cluelessness to consciousness? Okay, it's an interesting question because, uh, as you say, um, sometimes you can feel like you know a lot, but I think the more you learn about stuff, the more you realize you don't know. So I suppose maybe somewhere in the middle. I think I've got a lot of awareness and consciousness about what happens to animals particularly farmed animals. And I suppose that's where my focus is as far as consciousness around environmental issues. I'm always learning. I'm wanting to work out how I can reduce my environmental footprint. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think it's really important because you can get overwhelmed. Certainly I can get overwhelmed by so much stuff. So I do try and limit to a certain amount what I take in. Mm-hmm. so that I can go, okay, this is where I can make a difference in my life. So yeah, I'd say somewhere in the middle. I definitely understand that feeling of overwhelm. That is something I can relate mm-hmm. to because it just feels like there's so much to do and so much to accomplish and work on and change. Absolutely. Yes. So you said your biggest focus is the life of farmed animals. Can you tell me a little bit about where did that begin with you? I think I've always cared about animals. I was brought up to appreciate animals and be an animal lover. But I think like a lot of people, I just didn't realise what that actually meant. Right. I think of all the animals. So I grew up eating animals and it wasn't until I started learning about what actually happens to them in factory farms that started to question that and hang on am I I like cats and dogs and horses I was obsessed with horses when I was a teenager Mm. as many Mm -hmm. young girls are lucky enough to have a horse for a while yeah it was starting to learn about the horrors of factory farming and animal experimentation that really started me to explore um everything about it really and where did that begin? Where did you learn about those things? Where were you, where were you first exposed? I think very the very first thing was um, a friend that shared information from an organisation that's in the US and Europe now. It started off in the UK, in England, Compassion in Well Farming. Mm-hmm. So they talking about hens in battery cages and pigs in crates and our society. This is outrageous. Right. I can't be a part of this. But then it took me a while to make all those connections in my own life. Going um, vegetarian and then vegan was a sort of gradual process for me. I didn't do Mm -hmm. it overnight like some people do. Um, And as I started, when I was at university, because I studied ecology, because I was so interested in the environment, and then I did a master's in marine biology in North Wales at Bangor University 
And out of that, I got a job at the National Anti-Vivisection Society in London. That was my sort of first proper job, apart from sort of summer jobs. And worked there for a couple of years. And then also ran a later on a, a small group organization against recreational fishing, which huge issue. Uh, yeah. And then I came over to New Zealand about oh, 25 years ago now. And I was really lucky because my parents had grown up here. They actually mm. did the opposite of a lot of Kiwis. They actually moved over to the UK and lived there for many years. Yeah. I did the opposite. So I came and lived here. It's such an amazing place. It really is. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky enough to be able to get a job working for an organisation called SAFE, which is the sort of biggest animal rights organisation in New Zealand. Yeah. That was the, I worked there for quite a few years in all different roles. But one of the things that led me to where I am now is that as there's so many different issues just in, in the animal space. Uh, there's animal experiments, there's hunting, there's fishing, there's dairy farming, there's so many things. And it's always been pulled in all these different directions. And it's I've, I found it very frustrating not to be able to focus because I feel very strongly that focus is the way you get things done. That's, Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. As she started learning about, you've maybe heard of effective altruism, EA. Uh, so that's a sort of movement that's focused on the idea of doing the most good that you can with the resources that you've got. Mm. And, yeah, they look at sort of three key things when you're looking at an issue that you're wanting to change. So they look at how big is the scale of it, how many individuals, and whether that's animals or whether it's people or whatever the issue is, how big is the scale of it? And so certainly with the issue that I focus on now, chickens bred for meat, the scale is huge compared to other animals. It's about um, four out of every five animals in New Zealand is a chicken bred for meat, and it's the same all over the world, that same proportion. Yeah, and their suffering is appalling, so it's huge in scale. And then a couple of other things with effective altruism is how neglected is it? Because that's how many organisations or individuals are working on changing it. And in terms of chickens in New Zealand, that's not really many. It's that's why it was somewhere to really be able to make a difference. And so that idea of filling a gap. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Don't repeat what other people are doing because there's loads of people doing really great work on vegan advocacy in New Zealand. Right. And working on other issues to do with animals. It was chickens bread for meat in terms of working with food businesses to make change. Mm. And then is there a solution that's really going to make a difference? So tractability, they call it. I've got all these terms in EA. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, so that's why I started finding out about this. And it was like, okay, this this really seemed to make sense to me, the idea of finding a niche where you can really make a difference, really focused so that you can create the change. And... I was lucky enough to go through the Charity Entrepreneurship Programme. That was probably about three years ago now. And that's a programme to teach people the skills to start their own charity. Oh, wow. And before that, I just wouldn't have 
considered the idea of starting up a new organization it's It's just huge seems really daunting absolutely but they go through like all the sort of philosophical stuff around why to do things that way in terms of focus and the effect of altruism thing Mm -hmm. but also the practical stuff and what you need to do to start an organization how you hire people all that stuff and it made it like this is possible right and that led me apply for some funding and I was so lucky I got a, a grant from it's called the Centre for Effective Altruism Animal Welfare Fund and that allowed me to start Animals Aotearoa and yeah so that's where it all started. I love that it is everyone bounces around in terms of figuring out what work makes them feel whole and what they want to be doing and contributing. But I do love that there seems to be a really strong thread for you that seems to have have been there for a long time in terms of your passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was both animals and the environment to start with. But the more I learned about animals, the more I realized that there's a lot of people that are doing other stuff. And animals really need our voices. They need help because they can't do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization then that you started and what is that role? So, yeah, the organization is focused on focused on farmed animals and particularly chickens bread for mate because as I said it's the largest numbers generally the most severe suffering of what they go through and what we do is we focus on working with food businesses to get them to sign up to higher welfare standards so there's a, a set of standards that's called the better chicken commitment and that's um, talk particularly about what the chickens go through but it makes a really big difference for their lives and yeah the problem with chickens bred for me it's not hens that are used for egg production so the cages like battery cages or colony cages it's really clear to people what's wrong with that hens in a cage that's so unnatural right and There's been lots of change around that. In New Zealand, most of the food businesses have signed commitments to get rid of all cages. So that's fantastic. And that is spreading around the world. There's there's Mm -hmm. a lot of commitments around the world. But we haven't got the same amount of change yet for uh, chicken spread for meat. Interesting. Yeah, it's because it's a bit more complicated. I know when I first started learning about animal stuff, I just didn't realise what was involved in the chicken meat industry right yeah because the the thing is it's not they're not in cages so people say okay they're just in a shed and that's all fine but you look a little bit deeper and it doesn't take a lot to to find this out once you start um, digging into it is that the majority of the suffering of these birds is because they grow so unnaturally fast their legs won't even hold them they're so big unnaturally that's right. And uh, yeah, they most of them have got a life of chronic pain and lameness. So even the ones that are in free range where they've got potential access to go outside the shed because it hurts to walk, 
because right. there are like tens of thousands in each shed. Many right. of them will never, ever go outside. So they're just in this disgusting, dirty shed crammed in together. And yeah, it's just heartbreaking when you see the footage of what these birds go through. And that really motivates me to do the work I do because some of them, as you say, their legs can collapse. Some of them, because they're so top heavy, they end up trapped on their back and they can't get to food or water. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's millions, not just one or two that this happens to. Right, right. Yeah, and it's all because they've just been bred to grow faster than nature intended. So that's the key thing that needs to change is the brain. Yeah. And that's the key thing of the better chicken commitment. Do you feel like since you have this experience in the animal rights field in some way, shape or form throughout the last couple of decades, do you feel like you are pleased with the progress that's been made? I know there's always, I wish it were the snap of the finger and everything was done, or maybe that's just me, but do you feel like you've seen good stuff or do you can be honest or do you feel like, honestly, it's just, it's not enough. It's never enough. I think is the, the answer. Yeah. yeah. But saying that, I think it's a really important thing for anybody working in this space, volunteering in this space, or just seeing what's happening in the world. It's so important for our mental and emotional health, as well as just being able to keep going, is to look at every little win, every victory as a step forward. And every time you have a conversation with somebody and explain something or they say, oh, wow, that's I'd like to try what you're eating. This is something that I'm interested in. Everything, you can take that on board and realize it's part of the a step forward right. towards creating the sort of world that, that we all want. You're so right in terms of what we focus on, because you can drive yourself into a pretty dark spiral real quick focusing on all the things that still need to be done. And it's not to say that we ignore those things, obviously, but focusing on those small wins is also just a real, for me, way to stay connected to why I'm doing it in the first place too, to see those little wins because it can get quite frustrating. Frustrating. And I mean, I've known a lot of people over the years that it's just been too much and they've just gone, oh, I've got to step back from this because it overwhelmed mm. them. And that's, that's an awful thing to go through. And I would have hoped that they could have found some way for themselves to be able to, even if it's taking a break, so that they can right. then come back to it with renewed energy. Because the animals, they need everybody to be doing whatever they can to to change what's happening for them. And... Yeah, so it's, and I think it's different for everybody. I think I've got quite a high tolerance for seeing the cruelty and being Mm. able to go, okay, that's what's happening. Stepping back a little bit emotionally from it, dissociating to a certain extent from the awful emotion. And that allows me to do the work that I do because looking at photos and video and sort of saying, okay, here's, here's what's happening. I'm going to show people this and what's the most effective way to do this and to not, um, yeah, not get overwhelmed. It doesn't always work. There's definitely times when it's okay. Today's the bad day, right? (laughs) Go and do something else. Um, Yeah. And it's different for everybody. Oh yeah, totally. I think that's part of it. Right. And I was going to I was going to ask, given the weight of this work and this world, what are the things you do to keep yourself able to continue to do the work? Because 
that is one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle, I think, for people that are advocates in any field. It's just how are you taking care of yourself so you can show up tomorrow? Hey there, it's me. If you're digging this conversation so far around conscious living in this episode and you're feeling inspired to make change, that's literally why I'm here. If you want sustainable ways to be sustainable, you hear eco-friendly or green and wonder if you're doing it right. You want to make your diet more earth-friendly by going vegan. You want to live a more connected life, but you're not even sure what that means. No judgment. It is possible to feel excited about making changes to make a difference in the world every single day with your choices, to go vegan and stay vegan without feeling like you're missing anything, or to learn how to make good choices for the planet without feeling stressed. I help folks who are ready to make changes in their life that support their health and the world around them through supportive coaching, practical education, and steps that make you enjoy the process. If that's you, email me at consciouslycarly at gmail.com and let's chat. Back to the episode. Yeah, great question. And I suppose on a sort of day-to-day uh, level, I have a partner and I have a, a lovely rescue dog. Take her for walks. She particularly loves it when we go mountain biking in the forest. Mm. So you just run everywhere, dash around. And yeah, she just goes completely nuts and it's wonderful. <laughs> and she's tired at the end of the day. So Perfect. that's great. And yeah, so mountain biking. I also love to dance. Mm. I, used to do a, I used to do a lot of partner dancing called Zouk. It's originated from Brazil. Okay. I don't really do so much for that now. It's more going to dance parties and things i'd love mm-hmm. to dance so i do as well way. i understand it feels like such a release and i suppose in terms of keeping my sort of mental health around things is as i said was celebrating any small win um, it could be getting a new volunteer it's great mm-hmm. somebody else is going to help us with our work right yeah also we're part of an amazing coalition called the open wing alliance and Mm. that's got about uh, i think up to 90 organizations all around the world and wow our shared purpose is helping chickens Mm -hmm. um my mom always used to say are you going to a conference what's this year about and it's it's about chickens again yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's about chickens (laughs) still chickens still chickens and a lot of the groups they're still working more on the cage free with the eggs but then the countries where I've had more progress, we've moved on to chicken spread for meat. Mm-hmm. But we're all supporting each other. And that's part of it. It's almost every day there's another win from another organization. So they they persuaded a company to go cage free in, I don't know, Peru or in right. Thailand. And it's just happening all over the world. And that is just, I love that. Uh, it yes. just keeps me going. Even if we're having a bad day where something hasn't gone that or a bad week can see that still progress is happening around the world yeah it's really important to focus on it is it is an uphill battle sometimes I'm curious because I know I've heard this and I've, I've had other people who are vegan talk about this as well does anybody or maybe what is your response if people ask why do you care so much about animals what about humans Now, I'm saying that flippantly but I'm curious if you've ever been approached with that question as an animal advocate? Yes, definitely. Especially on social media. They are, what about mm. all the children that are suffering and things? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's all really important. 
And I realized that sort of my highest value is to stop suffering. And that's not Mm. just animals, it's humans, because we're all other animals, and also the environment and what's happening. Before I got more back into working sort of full time in animal advocacy, I also had a business I trained as a neuromuscular massage therapist, also in hypnotherapy and NLP. So working with the body and the mind. And I worked with people generally that were in pain. So they had headaches, they had occupational overuse, back pain, or they had emotional trauma. So there are amazing techniques in NLP, hypnotherapy for releasing trauma, helping people to get to where they want to be. And as well as helping other people, that helped me as well. Getting an understanding that you can, because I think often when people become vegan initially or they just start learning about what's happening to animals or humans, they get very angry. And they, they want to blame the people that are still involved in it in whatever way. And I certainly went through that stage many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still have my moments. <laughs> Me too. One of the things that I learned through understanding the mind more was to understand that you can separate uh, a person from their behaviours. So somebody that works on a factory farm, I don't like what they're doing. But I know that apart from a few tiny exceptions of sociopaths, most people are they have good intentions. They're doing it because they want to make money for their family or they want to do well in their career to be successful. They have good intentions. They don't do it because they want to be evil. And that sometimes helps me to go, okay, these are all people. We're all people and we're all at different stages along the way. And in terms of our organisation, a lot of our supporters, they eat chickens. Mm. And we totally understand that those are people that, while they're still eating chickens, they want better lives for those birds. And so they're on the journey with us. Going back to, like you said, when you go vegan, and I certainly went through an angry vegan phase myself. It was not my cutest phase, I will admit. (laughs) But I'm wondering what that process was like for you in terms of going plant-based. You said you did it gradually, which I did as well. What was that journey like with food? Yeah. So it was, as I say, yeah, it was gradual. It was, for me, it was, I had a a boyfriend that he was mostly vegetarian, but his his parents were actually vegetarian and they were doing it for spiritual reasons. They were very into yoga Mm. and studying Buddhism. And so I was learning more and more about the food. But it wasn't a, a full transition to being vegetarian then. But when, then when I went to North Wales to study for my master's degree, that's when I made a decision, I'm going to be fully vegetarian. And that got easier and easier the more I learned about it. And then I suppose it was another point where I then went to... Yeah, to moved away from that and I decided to go vegan. And that was like a point, I suppose it was 36 years ago now, quite a long time ago. And yeah, that was it really. You've seen the landscape of vegan food options change quite Mm. drastically then. Definitely. (laughs) In the last couple of decades, there was somebody out on the podcast a while back who went vegan, I think in... 91 or 92 or something. 
And he was just saying, you have no idea (laughs) the difference or not that like rice and beans and vegetables, but just the snacks, the ice cream, the fun (laughs) kind of options have even just in the last few years have really boomed. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I first was trying out vegan options, I don't know, I hadn't quite gone vegan then, I think, but I tried soy milk for the first time. And there was only this one variety and it was disgusting. And I didn't try anything again like that for about a year because I was just like, no, that's, it was really nutty, but a really horrible taste. Yep. And then there was that this one cheese again that was disgusting. <laughs> and then one called Cheese came out that came from Scotland and it was like the best thing ever. And it is still available. You can get it here. But now we're certainly not as lucky as other countries I know the UK because I haven't been back there for quite a few years but I have friends there and they just say vegan stuff everywhere and you just just so many options here we we could still have some more options but we have some amazing ones and we even have New Zealand-based plant-based companies that are producing cheese and a whole range of um, plant-based meats and it's just every week you go oh here's another one somebody's posted on a group yeah so it's so easy now. And it, I suppose the problem now is there's too many snacks because I'm definitely not a health vegan. I know people have all sorts of reasons for being vegan, but health is yep. definitely not my one. So there's so many different snacks and things. And I've got to try yes. that one and support that company. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 100%. Or another ice cream, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Ice cream is my kryptonite, 100%. <laughs> I, I went vegan to become healthier, but I'm not whole foods, plant-based. And then it was like the environment, the animals, all the domino effects. Mm -hmm. I did. It was an interesting, it's still something I'm thinking about. It was an interesting conversation I had with a nutritionalist a few months back about how it makes them a little nervous actually to see all of this stuff without an understanding of just because it says it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. Yeah. Where people are seeing that, oh, it's on that label. That's still 60 grams of sugar. (laughs) Uh, So it is interesting to see how that kind of unfolds in terms of how we think about food and how we talk about it. Uh, I I was at an animal rights conference in Australia a few years ago, and there was a nutritionist talking about how it's not that difficult to be vegan, but there are things that are important to have in your diet. And you can be a very unhealthy vegan. (laughs) A friend that would live on um, chocolate, soy milk and baked beans and that was all he ate and it was wow so lucky that he got this amazing girlfriend and they're still together many years later who I think saved his life <laughs> the universe <laughs> I don't think he would have survived him. otherwise but yeah yeah it's definitely important to have some nutritional knowledge but I think for everybody that's what I was you just read my mind meetings. yeah like yeah. when we when you tell someone the stereotype the trope is telling someone that you're vegan and you get the response of where do you get your protein? It's, it sounds like a a punchline at this point, but it still happens. But the interesting thing about that is that we, I can and speak for the U S is we get a very limited understanding of nutrition and some bullshit health pyramid that is not helpful Mm -hmm. at all. And that's kind of it. So I would say I have much more knowledge about food and nutrition because of diving into a plant-based diet and going vegan than I ever did knowing what I was supposed to be eating before. Yes, Yes. that's right. Because it's new and there's so many more foods that I eat now, but also 
because those challenges, whether you're reading them or somebody saying, where do you get your iron or your protein? And it's like all these places. Yeah, learning about it. Where do you get yours? (laughs) Yeah, so exactly. There's so many sources of protein. Um, Yeah, and making sure I have enough leafy green veg and making sure I have B12 that's the only thing you need to supplement with. Yep. It is pretty easy, but it is... um, Easy when you have access to food and stuff too. I want to hold space for that. Oh, absolutely. I know in the States, there's lots of places that can be really bad with sort of food deserts and it's not so different here for instance Mm. places i live in auckland so the biggest city okay in new zealand and in particularly in south auckland which very low socioeconomic areas the food choices there can be terrible there are some great things there's there's markets and things where you can get amazing veggies and things but it's it's always so much more difficult if you don't have those options available yeah, mm. it really is. I feel like there is a, a sense with you that there is an overview of ending suffering. Like, I think it's so interesting when you are in this profession where you are trying to help others. Like, that is pretty much the mission you have is help and mm-hmm. save and end suffering for others. And then you've also done this body massage work and mm-hmm. this kind of healing work. And I don't think that's an accident. I think those are often things you find in people like I'm a yoga instructor and I do Mm -hmm. Reiki healing. And I think when you look for these other ways of living, you also look for other ways of healing and and moving your body. Has that been your experience? Yes. Yes. I wouldn't say I look after myself as well as I could do. I know a lot more (laughs) advice that I could actually take on myself. Um, Isn't that true for all of us though? Yeah, maybe. and I, but I also think that the more people are living in with within their values, the mm. easier their lives are in terms of they can be happier. Because I see a lot of people, a lot of people pushing back at people wanting to help animals or saying encouraging people to a plant based diet, a vegan mm-hmm. diet, because of it really kicks off that cognitive dissonance in them because. I don't really know any people that hate animals. Everybody cares about animals to a certain extent. It's just whether they've made those connections. But I think unconsciously they often have made those connections, but they just don't want to go, okay, that means that I need to change what I eat or how I live my life. Scary. So I think also getting an understanding of how people's minds work it does frustrate me. I used to be the angry vegan, certainly, but now more understanding that the pushback if people try and force people to make change it doesn't work it's people get more embedded in their ideas so that that sort of perfectionism veganism Mm -hmm. can be around that it can put people off getting involved in the animal movement and I think it can turn people off trying out plant-based food if they feel that they're being judged but not mm-hmm. being perfect, which nobody's mm-hmm. perfect. We're all living in a world based on animal exploitation, unfortunately. I could not agree more. I've had to leave a few Facebook vegan groups because it just wasn't open at all to this idea of letting people be on their own journey. I was like, this isn't conducive to any sort of change. Everyone's just yelling at each other. Yeah, Like any group, there is always... <laughs> 
people who disagree on how to share the message, but I think just the psychology of it all, we know that people listen better when they're not being yelled at or judged. Absolutely. Yeah. Find what people are doing well or a common ground that you have. So mm. listen as well as the other thing rather than talking all the time. It's uh, yeah. Listen to where people are at and what does motivate them and tap into how that might link into positive changes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is there anything that you want to share with listeners that I haven't given you space to do? Let me have a thing. Oh, there's how people can help our organization. So Perfect. That would be good. Yes. Yeah, so I had to think about this and the work that we do, so much of what we do is about raising awareness because people really still don't know that much about chickens bred for meat. And so signing up to our mailing lists, I always also have um, a smaller list, which is called the A-Team, and that's uh, people that take quick online actions. So just a couple of minutes, mm, cool. taking an action once or twice a week, and that really helps our work because, yeah, um, we've got quite a, you know, a big challenge to make the changes we want to. The slower-growing breeds are not yet available in New Zealand like they are um, in a lot of overseas countries, um, but we've already there's already four food businesses that have signed up. Three of them from our work to these wow. best chicken commitment, and that's what we're continuing to work with food businesses and also collaborating with other organisations because collaboration is really important to us. Working with all sorts of um, animal organisations and others because we want to share what we can help with them, and then they help us as well. Yeah. When, yeah, following us on social channels. And if people can, they can donate to our work because that's how we can keep going. And I suppose find out yourself about what happens to chickens and tell other people about it because that's how mm. change happens. Mm-hmm. And there are solutions. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Consciously Clueless. And for that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this new episode, and if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tag me and share in social media. Share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. To get more resources, influence on topics covered, and bonus content, join the Consciously Clueless community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. And don't forget, if you need help living more consciously, let's work together. Email me today. See you next Wednesday for a new episode. This podcast is supported by all the brands that I love and that I get to work with. Considering how much I talk about the fact that we should be buying less, you know if I'm promoting a brand, it means I use it myself and I love it. Sometimes the stars align and I score discount codes for the brands that I love. If you go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop, you'll find discount codes for brands like Parade, that sells sustainable underwear, Terraseed that is vegan vitamins, Joy selling sustainable plant-based milk alternatives, Plain products that shows a new way to provide the world a shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more by using returnable recyclable containers. There is so much on that page of all the brands that support this podcast and support the work I do. So don't forget to go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop to check all of that out. Mm-hmm.